welcome back to the show that does all of the stuff and all of the things. It is Men Seeking Tomahawks. Jack Drastic here for you. And uh, coming at me virtually right now, get this, Dan, for the 94th installment of this show, it's Dan Franks. Hello, Dan wow. Franks. Hello. Yeah, we, we were talking, I think, last week where we said we were going on 100, but now we actually have have real numbers. We believe in science, and we believe in actually counting numbers that exist. Indeed. We got to do something fancy for 100. But how confusing is this? Because, you know, so when we... Confusing. <laughs> and that, that that question could apply to several things. But when we relaunched the show, we decided to relaunch it kind of in canon, but also as its own standalone thing with no back episodes on the feed. So here we are talking about we're almost episode 100, but it'll be, hey, episode 19, we're going to celebrate episode 100. It's okay. What? That's okay. okay. It's More questions than answers. Uh, well, that's, that is a tagline of this show. So uh, 100 is something to look forward to for sure. Uh, something I did today is, I guess, something that could fall under the category of something you could look forward to as well. So uh, hit the Sounder Expo because Dan, just today, for the first time in my 38 years in existence, I went to a water park. No, there's no way that's the first time. First time I've never, ever, ever been to any water park. And, and we're uh, talking like lazy river wave oh, pool, yeah. like Whole a full thing. on water park. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know, when you have a five-year-old, you start doing things that might not have ever crossed your, your mind to do either way. But, uh, yes, I, I, I take it. You've been to water parks. I have, I have the last, last time I went was in, in my single days and we thought it, my, myself and a fellow single, uh, we'll call it young adult at that point thought it might be a good place to, you know, do what single guys do and, and maybe meet some new people. And that we, we found, we found the majority of people were there probably for the same reason you were today, which is uh, ah, taking yes. the little ones around. So it was not the hot pickup spot that we thought, but I have been a fan of water parks for a long time and I'm surprised this is new to you. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan. Well, I just never, it never really, it never came across something that I would be interested in doing, but um, I did. Going to be back? Was it uh, enjoyable? Um, um, it was fine. I did learn two things that I wanted to mention. Was that a, you know, uh, this is what this is hot vac summer is what we're calling it, right? Yeah, it's a, a little bit cringe inducing, but that's one of the things they call it. Is everyone's ready to get out and go? And I mean, it was it was packed. Everybody was out there, uh, really excited to go and. The the one thing that made me feel good, you know, it's have you ever heard the saying like if you ever feel bad about yourself, like go to Walmart, and just <laughs> look around. Yes, you know what I mean. Yes. I've heard that. I can't support that one way or the other, but yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Pick a side, Dan. Uh, the uh, the thing that made me feel good is obviously after twenty twenty, I am not in bodybuilder form right now. You know, uh, one too many hot dog, one too many. Uh, late night ice cream attacks, that sort of thing. But the nice thing, and it was reassuring, like this is not a, this is not a shot at anybody. Cause God knows I'm not, I'm not one to shoot here, but I think everybody was in the same boat as me and nobody gave an F. And that was a nice feeling. Like we were all just letting it hang out. And it was like, you know what? We survived hell. We got a little bit of uh, you know, we we're carrying around a little bit that we weren't carrying around before hell. It's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I, I think we all suffered from if we were gym goers, not going to the gym for several months or over a year. Diets was mostly consistent of delivery grocery store food or yep. takeout and drive through. So yeah, I think a lot of us are in the same boat. And yeah, it's good that your first experience at the water park was like that because you want to take it all in without feeling that judgment in the air. Yeah, it didn't it was it definitely felt judgment free, which was nice. It was freeing. The other thing I learned was uh, a long-held belief of mine still remains true. And that being the fact that more often than not, if there is ever a line required, if you ever have to queue up to get to get to do something, whatever is at the end of that line, nine times nine times out of ten for me is not worth it, Dan. I I am so I don't want to sound political here, but I am so 
so anti-line. I just there's nothing at the end of that line for me, hardly ever. So no, uh, no fast pass, no skip to the front of the line privileges today. No, none of that. I just uh, I raw dogged it like the rest of us. Just uh, no fast passing for me. What was the biggest disappointment of a ride? The one that you waited for the longest and got the least out of it. Like well, a slide only, or we got a tube ride or something? I guess the one, the, the okay, so kind of to answer your question, I waited in two lines because the rest of the time I was like, I'm not doing a line. The first line I was in, there was a thing where the four people wanted to go, but there was three of us in the way or something like that, and they needed an extra person. And I was the odd man out, essentially, like, turned out that I just needed to either wait or just leave. And so I just, I was like, I don't want to, I'm just, I'm leaving. So that was a little bit of a letdown. Cause it's like, man, I've been in this line for like 15 minutes and now I'm either Could've gonna gone with some strangers. I just, nah, I didn't care. And then the second time I did finally go through the line and it was one of those deals where like I had to hold the, I was on my belly and I had to hold the sled to go down yeah. the slide. And like, I'm not, I'm not the Hulk or anything, but I'm, I'm a large man, Dan. And I'm, I'm like, rate like like burning the sides of my arms off because they're hitting the sides of the slides i'm like ah and by the time i got down there i was like oh road rash that that was back to the wave pool like uh no more no more no more lines you talking about your uh you being too wide to go down the slider reminds me of a guy i shared an airplane seat with the other day and he's like yeah you know, I'm six one so I usually have to go first class for room with my legs. And I, I got to thinking like six one is above average in height. Yes. But it's not just a giant, right? Like if someone makes a comment like, yeah, I have to get special vehicles or I always have to sit first class because of my height. You're thinking they're like 6'4", six, 6'6", six, six, something like that. He, yeah. He's 6'1". I was like, eh. Yeah, you're, you, you qualify, <laughs> but come on, man. You, yeah, like you're bragging about your height and then you drop the 6'1". It's like, uh, you know, I could put on some high heels and get taller than you, bud. Listen, Dan, it is Saturday night. So look, if you're going to... Just go ahead and whip whip out the high hills. Go go right ahead. It's uh we're in the trust tree. Well, I had I had another experience today. Okay, um, this one's different because I encountered a ghost. Really, I didn't no. realize that we were uh, doing coast to coast tonight. This no, is awesome. no, Love no. It. Sorry, um, sorry for the letdown. It, it, uh, you didn't let me finish there. Um, a ghost kitchen. My first experience buying food from a ghost kitchen. Are you familiar with the concept? No, what 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 am ghost kitchen? Okay, so the most mainstream thing I can relate it to is several months ago during the pandemic, it came out that Chuck E. Cheese, which was obviously hurting within business when people couldn't travel in mass to their children's arcades, they actually started selling their pizza through Grubhub and and Uber Eats and all that, but under some sort of name that so you never knew if you're ordering this delivery pizza. It's coming from, and I don't have the name in front of me, but, you know, Super Italia or something like that. But it's really just coming out of Chuck E. Cheese's kitchen. Okay. That's a ghost kitchen is when there's some sort of setup like that. So where you're buying the food from is not maybe where the food is coming from. Yeah. And today where I got on Yelp, as I normally do, and tried to find some new restaurants to maybe change it up a little bit. Sometimes in the weekends we do takeout. And I saw this place that had five stars had just opened up. And I looked at where it was on the map and I was like, I drive by that every day and I've never seen this new place, but it's got five stars, lots of reviews. Like, how is this place? You know, I consider myself uh, called a five out of 10 foodie. So I, I try to keep up with things and just out of nowhere, it was on Yelp. And I was like, okay, let's, let's try it. And we called and ordered and I said, you know, I'll come do pickup. And I got there and what it was, was it was a breakfast place that we frequent uh, maybe once a month or so. But they're only open for breakfast, you know, call it 5 a.m. to noon. And now from noon until the end of dinner time, they operate this completely separate pop-up restaurant out of there. And they just put like a little like a little pull-up banner or something in front of the door. And it's a different restaurant using the same kitchen, the same staff. They were wearing t-shirts inside of the of the breakfast place. And you can't sit down and eat. It's just to go or delivery only. But it's its own restaurant. That's a ghost kitchen. Interesting. Interesting. Huh. And I, I did a little bit of research on these and they're becoming very popular. And a lot of them are instances like this where there's, you know, great kitchens that just go unused because of the the off hours of the business. And or or there's some that that is the business is there's this kitchen 
and they might run three or four different quote unquote restaurants out of it that are exclusively delivery. And that's the business. That that makes a lot of sense. I like the efficiencies of it, and it 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 seems ap- it seems to be apropos, based off of the popularity of these these food delivery services now. So that's that's interesting. So was it super spooky? Nine ten uh, nine <laughs> out of ten spooky. It was not, but it actually was one of these restaurants. I don't know if you've been to one where they have they have maybe too many gimmicks. Like it was fun. Like yeah. first of all, they're this ghost kitchen, but then you open up your meal and they've. They've left like a warhead and a pixie stick, and then the kids, oh, okay. the kids' food has like a ring pop in it, mm, and okay. you know it's like fun, but they're obviously doing that to kind of differentiate it themselves. Oh, it's that restaurant, that chicken sandwich restaurant that has warheads and all the all the meals. You yeah, know, I mean, it's well, fun. It's different. That makes sense. I mean, if you know the, our uh, our co our co our colleague on this endeavor is uh, in marketing and I know he talks a lot about like experiential things. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a great question is how do you use the, how do you employ the modern marketing tactic of the experiment experiential, uh, you know, mode, uh, when you're just handing bags to somebody at their front door. So that, you know, that's kind of, kind of whatever, right? Yeah, and you know what? Now that I think about it, like they wrote, they didn't just give us the the bags, but they wrote to go order for Dan on it. And they wrote it in like kind of calligraphy and in multiple colors. So it definitely, Fancy. as they as, as you mentioned, the experiential leaned into that, and it feels like a little bit more than just your standard restaurant. So maybe that's that extra effort they have to when they don't really have any brick and mortar to support their their store. But hmm. yeah, maybe that's uh, what we'll see more of in the future. Well, Dan, you know what I hope. I hope that that delivery driver, I hope that uh, the roads that they had to traverse to get to your domicile, I hope those roads were smoother than the ones we're going to be talking about this evening because Uh tonight's show is uh, stories of novel and notable strategies for fixing busted roads. Man, who, who doesn't love a good busted road? You know, whatever the road is, I hope they're listening to Men Seeking Tomahawks, and maybe this episode they'll learn a thing or two. I guess so. So let's. Uh, uh, th- this is a this is a happy uh, accident. So I don't try to find music that fits. I just I get the musicians that want to be on this show, and I get them on the show as fast as I can. Uh, this song, this coming song, fits perfectly you'll figure out why on the other side of this but uh, i'm very happy that this little happy accident happened so guys coming up next we're going to be talking about the busted roads but first got a little bit of pop music from germany this is julius paul with the song i like pizza and it can be heard right here on men seeking tomahawks
Julius Paul. I like pizza. A little bit of pop music there from Germany. Love it. What about Did it have you? a little bit of like a Marilyn Manson type vibe to it? His his voice, maybe not the music as much, but the way he was kind of changing his pitch up and down. I don't know. I but talented for what what I must consider to be some sort of you know song that's meant to be a little bit comical, but still mm-hmm. being able to produce something that's very very good quality. I liked it. I, pizza. I enjoy. Hey, not enough love songs about pizza. That's what I always say. If you'd like to hear more from Mr. Paul or from any other musicians ever featured on this program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. So Dan, what are your thoughts on potholes? Give me the, give me the skinny. Always, <laughs> always wanted to know, what are your thoughts on potholes? Yeah, well, you, you know, you told me we were doing this, and I did some research, and I noticed that in the top 20 major metropolitan areas that have potholes in them, Dallas, which is where we both reside, is not one of them. So I almost feel like I can't give a fair a fair review of potholes because it sounds like in terms of metro areas, at least, we live in a rather potholeless uh, area. But yeah, overall, um, I've spent some time in the north, up north, where I think a lot of people at least assume potholes are uh, the effects of snow and freezing ground and unfreezing and all of that. And right. potholes are definitely a mess, especially if you just happen to know somebody or live in a neighborhood that has them. It just makes your life miserable because you're either swerving left and right to avoid them. And if you, you travel the streets often, you kind of know how to how to navigate around them. Or there are so many that you're just like going two or three miles an hour and just accepting them. They can really, really do some damage to a vehicle. So, yeah, potholes. Get the thumbs down for me. Yeah. Well, and they are they are kind of a. Uh, an, an, an epidemic, I guess you could call them pandemic epidemic. I don't know. One of the demics. And uh, this episode is going to focus on novel ways that people have gone about resolving issues pertaining to potholes and busted roads in general. And so the first one I wanted to bring up was something that might be my favorite marketing tactic of all time. Uh, I think I've never heard of anything like this. And apparently it was a very successful marketing strategy for one Domino's pizza. Like I said, kind of funny. We got a pizza loving song on an episode where we're about to delve into a conversation about Domino pizza's uh, PR campaign called paving for pizza. Dan, do you have any familiarity with this story? It's a little bit dated. No, I, I've not seen this, but I'm I'm very interested because if I had to pick my favorite large fast food pizza chain, it would have to be Domino's. Really? Mainly because of the Noid. Oh. Mainly because of the Noid, who's back, by the way. I had I had almost signed a uh, uh, a commercial deal. I was going to get us some money from Papa John's. They wanted. Oh, to love the, the new stuffed crust and the Papa Papadia. I will. I love the Papadia. My favorite pizza place. Now you've you've ruined it for us, Dan. It's over. So Domino's Pizza. I have to say, I, I feel like I don't really have a dog in this hunt, but I feel like over the past several years, Domino's has done a good job of like self-deprecating PR and just saying like, "Look, we sucked, and now we're better." and I feel like, and having spoken to our marketing pal, Cobra, I feel like he kind of nodded when I said this, but I feel like they've done a really bang up job over the past several years on their PR campaigns. And the one we're discussing tonight came about because uh, the Domino's Pizza folks had heard from their customers that they had concerns. They actually had anxiety about getting their pizzas home safely due to bumps and potholes in the road. Okay, so like I don't know how like I just like market research or something. Yeah, I'd love to see the survey where I'd like I just like to hear some numbers. Like really how many people was that their their response? Was it was it a lot of them? Was it a few of them? Cuz I don't know. Like I feel like that is a thing. But nonetheless, nonetheless, like we choose to go to Pizza Hut because there's less potholes on the drive there <laughs> just than, do- than to Domino's. Oh, but that just happened to be a common answer across the country. Yeah. 
Well, and and so, okay, so maybe they might have been exaggerating a little bit as to how many of their customers this was a big concern about buying pizza. But on the whole, let's let's it's safe to say that potholes are something that people are very passionate about. And uh, I know, you know, I've, I've had, I know I've had that conversation with some of my more uh, politically active or at least, uh, you know, social media politically active, I guess I should say. I've had conversations with those type family members where like potholes, oh man, that is something they are, I rate about the, uh, the, that damn government just is not doing what they need to do about it. And so given that, uh, level of awareness, uh, Domino's kind of capitalized on it. So what they did was they created a microsite called pavingforpizza.com and people could directly nominate potholes in their town for repair. Uh, they had run a pilot program actually in our backyard down in Bartonville, Texas, uh, and also in several other small towns and they were highly successful. And so, yeah, uh, the cities that won a paving grant after being nominated received a box of Domino's assets that they could choose to use during the paving project, uh, like stencils for the potholes. I think I saw a, a tweet about that. Uh, they, they had like stickers and magnets that they could put on the paving equipment, uh, that sort of thing. And it's kind of cool because Domino's is like, here's all this cool marketing stuff and you can use it or you cannot use it, you know? So, you know, it wasn't like they were beating people up over this. I just think they, they seem like really good, good dude in this. They're just like, look, Hey, we're just going to pave, pave over your potholes. So, so did these become like branded pothole fills it sounds like maybe some of them did but it wasn't even required yeah they didn't require it but i remember seeing some tweets where there was like the, the little domino's logo next to it and the the website the pave for pizza or whatever it's called but yeah this was really successful they said in its first week the campaign got thirty five thousand organic mentions on social media and uh a ton more thereafter and uh lots of Lots of uh, top tier national media coverage. And uh, to date, they said they've done two phases of this. 137,000 nominations were received on the microsite. And, uh, you know, I don't know that they could do just a whole ton, you know, with a, with even just the biggest marketing budget. But it sounds like they did some good here. And, you know, more power to them. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it definitely potholes. I've I've not been involved in like the local city council type politics here in town, but that sure seems like a topic that probably comes up every year. Is like the candidate campaigning on we're gonna we're gonna fix the potholes and we're gonna fill the potholes and like yeah. you know city streets and everything. That's always a thing that people want to talk about and improve. So it certainly seems like something that if it's happening on that grassroots level fairly often. That then if some brand comes through and kind of has that same platform, we'll call it, that they're campaigning on uh, to at the very least have a favorable, favorable impression. And it almost sounds like I don't want to you've got the stats in front of you, not me, but it almost sounds like it was something that they talked about a lot and promoted maybe a whole lot more than they actually did, you know, kind wow. of, hey, yeah. you know, you you vote and we'll and it gets national headlines because it's a very creative marketing piece. But in reality, you know, a couple small towns, Bartonville, heard of it, don't actually know where it is because it's super small. In reality, they're kind of outfitting a couple small cities and throwing some stencils in and, you know, sending them a couple bucks. That's a drop in the bucket. But the national exposure they get out of it is, uh, you know, priceless almost. And all that matters. Right. And so. that's why Domino's is my favorite, because they do things like this for the for the working man. <laughs> Honey, what do you feel like eating tonight? No, how about some of that working man's pizza? Why isn't that a brand? Working man's pizza. There you go, Dan. There's a ghost restaurant for you to open up. They'll even deliver it. it in a blue collar. <laughs> uh, that pop-up character is dead. Long live that pop-up character. Moving on, Dan, to uh, Vulcan, West Virginia. Beautiful Vulcan, West Virginia. We uh, 
we uh the the drastics and the franks is we often summer down there in vulcan shout out to all our listeners there by the way i mean it's always fun when you hear the name of your small town shout out now we've got bartonville and vulcan god we are killing it in these markets dan we are number one in bartonville and vulcan that's that's all we wanted that's all we ever wanted well once again the uh the people of vulcan west virginia this is uh Slightly dated story as well, uh, circa 1977, but hey, some of y'all weren't born then, so I wasn't born then. I mean, Dan was. Dan was uh, Dan was in his teens in 77. But uh, They call me the Benjamin Button of podcasting. They, that, is, that is something that has happened. Now, the, the folks in Vulcan, they, they also employed a very novel strategy to fix their road woes. And, and how 1977 sounding is this story, Dan? So Vulcan, West Virginia, was an unincorporated community. I guess I should say it is an unincorporated community uh, in West Virginia. And in 1977, they were having an issue. And the issue was that there was only one legal route to enter or exit the town. And that route was a bridge that had fallen down. And the government there in West Virginia had done nothing to replace it. Like, I just feel, I feel like growing up in the 90s and hearing stories about the 80s and the 70s, I feel like that is... uh, that is some dated material, right? Like, I don't feel as if often these days there's a place where there's one way in and one way out and it fell down two years ago and we haven't done anything about it. Like, that is that is a, that is an interesting story just by itself. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those things that when you're just a simple member of the community, you see an issue and, you know, you got the potholes like we talked about. Okay, those are ones that maybe will fly under the radar for a while but if if a road floods or a, a something a bridge breaks or there's some something that makes uh your 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 mode of getting around town inoperable uh you just saying I, I don't know who's responsible for fixing it but i just assume it's going to get fixed and usually it does you just kind yeah. of like take it for granted just imagine the the concept of there being one legal entry and exit what does that mean, by the way? Legal? Like, what's the illegal way to get out of town? <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, we're talking about, you know, the woods, right? So I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, dirt road situation or... Some old moonshiners way of getting yeah. uh, getting out some tunnels that the moonshiners had to get in and out of Vulcan. I suppose. So the uh, the acting mayor at the time was a man named John Robinette, and... He came up with something that I would describe nothing short of uh, as as novel and notable <laughs> in terms of a solution for figuring out how to get this thing done. So, so what he did, and I remember this is 77, so we are still firmly entrenched in the Cold War. John Robinette having no support from the uh, West Virginia legislature decided that he would call the Soviet Union and East Germany and requested from them foreign aid to replace the town's bridge. That that's, is... That's out of the blue. <laughs> ballsy. That is ballsy. I mean, I, I what would that even look like in modern day? Like, we call the Taliban? Like, what... what I mean, that's... I mean, oh, that's kind what's of... What's the equivalent? Yeah, yeah, call the Saudis and ask them to you know, send over some, some funds. Yeah. That is not where I expected the story to go. It's like, all right, our government government's not going to do it. Who's our government's current biggest enemies. Let's just fly them over and have them do something about it. So a Soviet journalist by the name of, Oh God, I hate it when I get Russian names. Okay. Suck it up, Jack. Here we go. Soviet journalist, Iona Adranov, uh, went to Vulcan on December 17th, 1977, they were there to meet with uh, Robinette and see the problem. So how crazy is that, right? 
this mayor of this unincorporated community calls Russia in 1977 and the Russians respond <laughs> by sending a journalist, and right? They send somebody like, yeah, and they're, yeah, let me come take a look at it. Like, what? Is a journalist How? like also a qualified civil engineer? I yeah, I don't know. I, I Is the journalist qualified to like write the check to fund this thing? I I don't I don't know, Dan. I have no idea. But just the the fact that any representative of the USSR got on a plane and came over to look at this is effing hilarious. Now here's the funny thing: within an hour of this journalist being there. Reporters were told that the state would replace the bridge. So this John Robinette guy, if there's not a statue of him in Vulcan, there damn well should be. Because within two hours, or no, within one hour of of having this Soviet come and just do this stunt, the West Virginia legislature provided $1.3 million in funding to replace the bridge. Yeah, this had to be. You called it a stunt. I think that's right, because... You know, they didn't send a, an official. They sent a journalist. So obviously the the goal was for the journalist to report back. And this has got to be like propaganda 101, right? Like send somebody over there that's qualified to take pictures and report. And then the Soviets can put in all the, the news reports like, you know, the United States is just doing so bad that they can't even fix their own bridges. So they're calling us for help. Like they're calling us. That would be like right now. North Korea saying, you know, we're, we're asking Kim Jong-un to send over some some rations because of the, the pandemic or something like that. And then right. them putting it all over the all over the news. Um, it's got to be an equivalent of that. But, yeah, I could totally see how they got what they wanted. They got that news report. Um, I'm sure that it never made it back to the to the Soviet viewing public, whatever you want to call it, that. No, the, the legislature just decided, OK, never mind. We'll just we'll just go ahead and take care of it. That's not I, the important part. I, I, I might have to follow this up with a, a fuller – I feel like a fuller – You think I own us on Facebook? We might just be able to send her a DM. Hey, coming up at the end of this show no, – and it is a guy, I think. I think that Iona is a guy's name yes, in Russian. Man, the, them Russian names, man, they, uh, they, don't, they don't tip you off too easy, do they? So, guys, that's just a couple of stories about uh, novel ways that uh, people went about – Fixing the Busted Roads. Uh, we do have one more, and uh, here's my attempt at a teaser. Coming up after this mu- musical interlude, we will introduce you to the artist known as Wanksy. But first, the, uh, the promised music. Now, we started with pop music from Germany, and now, Dan... For your listening pleasure, we have house music all the way from India. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Artistic Mistake with the track Wet Escape, and it is right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks.
music from India. That was the artist Artistic Mistake with the track Wet Escape. Can only make a good wet escape if the roads don't have a whole bunch of potholes, Dan. Isn't that right? That's right. And now now I know you you teased Wanksy, not Banksy, but Wanksy going into the break. Uh, and I can't wait to hear that story, but I did want to share with you something I found over the break, which I thought was interesting. And it's, it's the top five interesting potholes all across the U S and I felt like we've Mm. referenced potholes a little bit in this, in this, and we might have a little more reference later on. Uh, but these are, these are fun. So there's a white river bridge in Indianapolis, Indiana, and this is basically what's inside this pothole. I've never seen anything like it. But it was a steel reinforced road with rebar. So when this pothole opened up, three foot spikes of metal ultimately ended up sticking out of this thing. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And uh, it was known to spear low to the ground vehicles as they were driving over it and didn't avoid it and often would like puncture gas tanks and stuff like real, real dangerous stuff. Gosh, the low, the low, uh, the lowered suspension, man. That is that is for the youth. You get to that you, hit, you hit a certain <laughs> age, and you're like, nope, it's factory. Get them big tires on there. Get them uh, factory suspension. I don't, I don't need to be down to the ground. Yeah, eeling those potholes. Oh my god. And speaking of vehicle damage, uh, Motown, Motor City. This next one is in Detroit. It's the Rogue River Bridge. And an entire section of the bridge fell through a hole. So it would actually, this pothole, so potholes happen above the surface and sinkholes happen below the surface. And this seems like it started as a pothole and either be, like came into contact with the sinkhole. But whatever it was, uh, when this happened, 20 different vehicles ended up driving into this hole. I remember that. That's awful. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Detroit, like I said, uh, oftentimes cold weather and icy mm-hmm. weather and cold temperatures are what causes the pothole. So like Detroit, perfect expansion and contraction over and over again. And yeah, yeah. Now this one's not a pothole, but this one kind of goes, plays into that. And it's the city with the most potholes. And that Jack is Oakland, California. So that one flies a little bit in the face of it being the cold weather. Yeah. Uh, but really it's huh. not to do with cold weather. It is just the changes in temperatures and changes in, atmosphere so the same type of damage can be caused by hot weather too that's oakland california interesting interesting this next one uh is i maybe the only pothole that is a tourist attraction uh this is in archibald pothole state park in lackawanna county lackawanna county pennsylvania Ah, excuse me uh home of uh, no but home of the office i believe the, the the tv show the office happened to take place within lackawanna county um, but this pothole is 42 feet by 42 feet, and it was discovered in 1884, dating back to the last ice age. Um, so this maybe isn't the kind of pothole that shows up on the road, but I guess technically it qualifies as a pothole, and it's the focal point of a state park. Huh. Dan, you and were then- just <laughs> full of pothole facts. Look at you. There you go. And how about this one? This one's the most amazing to me, and this one, again, you know, I, I, I kind of – shared something earlier about pothole and sinkhole and this is actually a sinkhole and these are really scary if you've ever seen videos of sinkholes just opening up in the middle of the street but in bowling green kentucky one actually opened up directly underneath the corvette museum so the general motors company uh operates as corvette museum and i guess a portion of the museum is called the sky dome so some sort of um some sort of display area for cars and yeah, there's, I guess, CCT footage, uh, closed caption or whatever you want to call it, uh, security camera footage of the sinkhole opening up inside this museum and eight classic Corvettes just getting sucked into the earth, never to be seen again. That sounds like the beginning of a heist movie. That's That doesn't oh. sound real. It oh. sounds like somebody figured out, like James Bond bad guy was like, I'll, I'll use my my uh, sinkhole making machine and I'll steal all the Corvettes. Ha ha ha. Well, <laughs> that could be it. But yeah, that that's it for me. But I, uh, I encourage you if you've never seen one of these crazy sinkhole videos, look up on YouTube and these things are, they're incredibly frightening. It's uh, something I'd never want to be involved in. Oh no. Oh no. 
Well, Dan, I got to tell you this. As far as I know, the uh, the area known as Manchester, England, is not uh, is not a place prone to sinkhole. But apparently, it is known to have its share of pretty uh, brutal potholes. And um, are uh, we? We're, let me just assume. Or let me not assume, but we're all pretty familiar with the uh, the artist known as Banksy, correct? Like Banksy with a B. Yeah, I think most people have seen Exit Through the Gift Shop, which at least the early days of Netflix streaming was one of the top one of the top yeah. documentaries uh, available there. So I am a big fan of Banksy and all of his antics. So England, English based street artist, political activist, that sort of thing. Um, if if not familiar, just Google, just simple Google. You'd probably you'd probably recognize a thing or two. We are not talking though about Banksy. We are talking about his men seeking tomahawks style bit uh, companion person, Wanksy. <laughs> now, Wanksy uh, is apparently an individual in the Greater Manchester, England area, and after a a uh, friend of his, a cyclist, was injured by, I guess, a, a, a rough encounter with a pothole. Uh, the graffiti artist known as Wanksy, uh, also known as a hooligan to others, took it upon himself to do something about the potholes in his area. He was He's not a pizza company. He did not uh, launch into a PR campaign. Uh, to uh, to get these potholes replaced, nor is he uh, in communication with the Russians to get it done. He instead, Dan, took a a very different approach from from the other two stories that we've discussed here. And uh, as his name might suggest, uh, Wanksy decided to tag the uh, potholes in his area with the panoose. He drew the dongs on the potholes and these, these potholes, which had, uh, uh, which had been present for, you know, sometimes weeks, sometimes months were suddenly repaired within 48 hours. Boom. Okay. So this is kind of genius. He's like, if I put something so offensive on these, they can either try to figure out how to get the paint off the road or they can just patch it and then cover it up and then the potholes fixed. It's, it's beautiful. It is just absolutely beautiful. And I, you know, I, I am not one to recommend our listeners do anything illegal. Is that a pregnant enough enough pause there? <laughs> Good. So, uh, Wanksy, I guess they interviewed him, uh, in this piece I'm reading about here said people will drive over the same pothole and forget about it. Uh, Suddenly you draw something amusing around it. Everyone sees it and it gets reported and fixed. Now a uh, council spokesperson disagreed and said painting obscene graffiti around potholes will not get them repaired any quicker, but simply waste valuable time and resources and is considered vandalism. Mm, Bureaucracy. Love it. So like this guy pointed out that, okay, these potholes have been sitting here forever. I drew a D on them and boom, they're gone within two days. Are you serious? Can you seriously tell me that that strategy did not work? Cause it seems like it did. Yeah. He kind of, he kind of painted them in a corner, right? Because they could either stick to their, stick to their guns and say, oh yeah, like we we're not, we're not being easily influenced. We're not being forced to fix these. And then they just have to leave the the phallic symbols there on their grounds. Or they just have to admit, yeah, it, it worked, but we don't want those there. So covering them up. I mean, it seems that prior to his minor act of vandalism, their reaction to the potholes was fairly flaccid. <laughs> great. That's great. I hate myself. <laughs> now I will say I will say this the again this guy got action and that's great but it was funny to hear the the 
council spokesmen say that it was a waste of time and didn't make anything happen any quicker because the uh, the journalist who wrote this piece covering this story said that um, if you go to this website, the, the Manchester City Council website, uh, you have to click through five different pages, then you have to fill out a form, then you have to fill out a survey, and then at minimum, it takes five days just to get the pothole inspected. So like, I know, I just, I'm calling BS on the councilman that said, you know, he didn't do anything. It seems like, man, this might be a very good strategy, strong strategy, I might say. Yeah, it's interesting because when I was looking at different ways to, I don't know, um, take advantage of or make the most of potholes, everything I was coming across was people like decorating them. Like there's this guy, Jim Batcher in Chicago, who would actually do like mosaic pieces of art inside the potholes, kind of taking that defeatist approach a little bit of like these potholes are here. They've been here for a decade. Nobody's fixing them. So I'm going to make it almost like a symbol, like a thing that people, you know, admire. Maybe they don't drive over it now because it's got this awesome piece of art in it. Um, Another thing I saw is called guerrilla gardening, which I thought this was pretty funny. People would actually put soil down inside these film with soil (laughs) and put like flowers or plants or even like vegetable gardens if these holes are big enough. Wow. And then, you know, A, it's kind of an interesting thing to be happening on the streets. But B, people would be more likely to avoid those and and possibly avoid damage to their vehicles if there's like a flower there or something that looks like a garden kind of has them slow down and avoid it. So both of those were just making the most of the potholes. But yeah, uh, Wanksy is just like a very rudimentary and crude approach that seems to work best. You bet. I well, uh, I do. I do appreciate the idea of doing something civil or civic. I guess when you're you're talking about planting vegetables, planting flowers, making art, I think that's nice. You know, because people people recognize it, and they like you said, it might help them avoid vehicular damage the whole calling the russians thing and uh (laughs) painting d's on the ground i like that because it's this whole like government shaming thing you know like it seems like that's really the strongest approach i I like both but I, i like the idea of pointing out uh bureaucratic incompetency and forcing things to happen I like that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it does expose them because they claim it's this long process, but they seem to move pretty quick when they have to. Weird, right? It's weird. So Dan, like we said, this is a thing. This is a subject that many, many people are very passionate about in terms of potholes and, you know, general bad roads. So why don't we open up the phone lines. We haven't done, I mean, we're 12 episodes in and we haven't opened up the phone lines yet. What about time to hear from the people? Let's do it. So 1-800-TOMAHAWKS. Caller, what say you? (laughs) (laughs) I heard you guys talking about Uh, my head shop, man. Your what? Your your head shop? My head shop. Potholes. Uh, no, sir. We, we were actually talking about like literal potholes in the road. Like that in sort the of ground. Thing. You're not talking about my shop, my head shop. Your, your shop is called potholes. Yeah, man. And where are you listening to us from? Radio. <laughs> is, is the radio on? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Uh, so, uh, sir, what's... Somewhere. Uh, I mean, it's on somewhere. There's radio signals all around, man. <laughs> I mean, that's that's pretty deep. What's uh, Who are we speaking with, sir? Uh, my name's Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you know, that, that happens. That's fine. Uh, nice to meet you, sir. Um, I mean, I guess we've, we've got a caller. We might as well take advantage of it, right? So... Uh, uh, what, uh, Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, potholes? Oh yeah, man. Like uh, you know, it's we're open. You know, like whenever I get there and we're closed, whenever <laughs> I feel like going home. That's great awesome. business. Uh, so yeah. yeah, I mean, you can usually catch me there. Usually, okay. sometimes you can't. Do you? But, do you live there? Uh, I mean, you could call it living. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, okay. So, so yeah. potholes. Can you can you can you explain potholes? Are you a a fan of the holes in the ground, or is it just completely unrelated? No, it's a hole where you get pot. <laughs> oh, Man, I, pot I mean, it's, holes. I got to be honest. Pretty pretty ingenious. I, I have to say. So, how's, so tell how's, us about the shop. You have some free yeah. uh, free publicity here. Tell us about it. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Oh, man, we got like all kinds of vapes and bongs and weed and all kinds of stuff. Like, like for instance, like we got this new stuff. It's a vape, right? Okay. It's called Alien Windex, man. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. So anyway, like, I took a couple of puffs off of it. Yeah, man, I ended up on death row for a crime I didn't commit. <laughs> oh my god! I watched all of my friends that were there on death row with me. I watched them all just die, man. It was really sad. Oh, it's tragic. But what was really cool is I realized I had the power to heal people. Wait a minute. And so, yeah, yeah. So, like, the warden's wife was really, really <laughs> sick. And yeah. I went over and I healed her. Uh, and, like I took all the pain away from her, and then uh, yeah, they killed me anyway. <laughs> so How long I'm, ago was this? I'm, uh, this was years ago. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a movie. Uh, I believe. No, no. Maybe not. Maybe. I mean, I'm glad to see you're doing all right after facing the death penalty. I'm wondering if that was just actual Windex in the vape pen. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> well, you can't. Maybe. Come on, oh man. God, but you're you selling this say? stuff in the are pothole. You a scientist, man. Are you like? Do you have a degree? I would just hate for what happened to you to happen to any of your customers. That's that's yeah. that would be even more tragic. Well, everything worked out great. It was fine. <laughs> that's that's good. That's good to hear. So, what else? Uh, yeah. What else does potholes uh, offer? The good well, we consumer. Got this, uh, we got this new strain of weed called Fruity Gorilla Oat Bran. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy cow. Tell us yeah. about that. Yeah. Fruity and it's got oats. It's good for you. <laughs> it's also made from real gorillas. So no. No. So anyways, like I, I took, you know, I smoked a whole joint, you know, because I'm a pretty heavy smoker. I smoked a whole joint and I just no way. back. Yeah, 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 damn, really. And anyway, I was sitting back on the couch, and then, like, you know, three of my friends showed up, and they were like, dude, we just rented this firehouse. You got to come check it out. And I was like, okay, man. So, like, I go over there, and we're checking, we're checking out this firehouse, and they're like, dude, you're not going to believe it. This firehouse, it actually comes with a station wagon. And I'm like, What? A station wagon, and they were like, yeah. And then one of my friends, he was the one that came up with that alien Windex stuff. He was like, hey, man, I've, I invented these nuclear proton packs no. that we put on our backs. And then we can go around and we can capture ghosts. <sighs> Stop Sounds it. familiar. This, uh, this did not happen to you, sir. Oh, no, no, it totally did. It totally <laughs> did. We fought a marshmallow guy. <laughs> Good, man. Uh, okay, if, uh, you know. Where are you, where are you located, like, geographically? Yeah. Like, where in the world are you? Uh, okay, so what you do is you take out a globe. Yeah. You spin it really good three times, and then just put your finger on it, and that's where we're at, man. That's so wow. mysterious. No, no that, it's right Can there. we trace this Every phone time. number? Is it is this something we can do? Is trace this phone number? It's untraceable. Of course it I'm is. Gonna, I think I'm going to let the man know where I'm at. <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't oh, let man. us know where you're at either. I'd love to know. Any experience with the man? This, this, this man that you refer to? Yeah. Well, it's interesting you should say that because I've got this new strain of, of, uh, of weed also. Yeah. It's called... The Brickishaw Ferguson Limeade, right? What a random so reference. Okay, yeah. So, good. so anyway, I smoked, you know, my normal joint of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, it totally reversed my stance on the military-industrial complex. Okay. You know, they started building combat robots and stuff. It was really cool. And then one day, 
one of the robots got struck by lightning and it became sentient. And me and this robot had to fight the whole army. And then me and my girlfriend had to escape to Montana. That that is short circuit, sir. I I will what? not let you besmirch nineteen eighty I mean, cinema. Yeah. Short yeah, you're you're upsetting Jack, so I think we're gonna have to hang up on you hey, here. Do we have another caller we can go to? Steve Gutenberg, oh, sir, hey, is a national treasure. How dare you try calm to down, appropriate? Calm down. Hey, 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 man! Like that that really happened. It's a true story. Yeah. Jack, I'm, uh, Ashley, I know Ashley is new to the show, but I'm not going to let you speak down to him like that. I feel like you're starting to show your true colors. I, I'm kind of feeling like I need some Debrickishaw Ferguson right now. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Life. I got some. I got one better, man. It's the most expensive bong that you could possibly get. Okay. It's so incredibly awesome. You take one hit and you're just bang zoom to the moon, man. You know what I mean? <laughs> I it's don't, a 69 but... chambered bong. That's right. You nice. a 69 chambered bong. I don't know what that means, but nice. It takes 12 hours to fill it up. <laughs> that's that's to empty it out, if you know what I mean. Well, about another 12 hours. <laughs> oh, wow. It sounds okay. Sure. And and anyway. what was? Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. No, no. You please you. Well, anyway, I I took one good rip off of this thing, man. And I mean, it just completely changed my life. Like, uh, I was, it, it was really crazy because I was dating Kate Beckinsale at the time. Mm-hmm. And she became pregnant. Oh, wow. Magically. This is, this is, this is where it gets kind of weird. So I never really told her that, like, my entire family is nothing but little people. And I'm the only, like, one of, you know, normal height. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was really, really, really scared that, like, you know, like the baby was going to come out of LP, you know? Yeah. And I, I was really, really, you know, terrified of this. And, like, it just caused major clashes between me and Kate. Sure. And anyway... She ended up leaving me for my uh, for my brother, who, by the way, is a little person. Okay, and who does he happen to be? Bad acting, huh? Who who does your brother happen to be? My brother. Yeah, that Kate Beckinsale left you for. Matthew McConaughey. No, it's. <laughs> In this situation, you are Matthew McConaughey. It was, uh, yeah, it was Gary Oldman. Oh, He's a yeah, little... Gary, uh, Gary, yeah, my brother Gary. Gary, uh, Gary Oldman, I'm assuming, right? Sure. I think, uh, I don't know He's if we, old. I don't know if we telegraphed this one hard enough, Dan. So, Ashley, I, we, we must say goodbye to you. Um, best of luck oh, man. with your right. shop and, I was just uh, getting started. All right, well, they, they go on. No, I got to go. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, Jack. I was with him until the end because now, tracing things back, mm-hmm. he was just he watched a bunch of movies while he was high and just what? thought he was in those situations. Uh, he's still on the line? Yeah. Hey, you want to do the outro with yeah. us, Ashley? Yeah, sure. Cool. Man. I guess we, uh, yeah, we, we've exposed him as a fraud, but uh, you're going to still let him participate in the outro. I think, I think a lot of things just got exposed, Dan. So, once again, Men Seeking Tomahawks has shush. Once again, Men Seeking Tomahawks has paved the way to the end of another show, and it's all smooth sailing from here. Be sure to subscribe to the program on your preferred podcast app. Become a Tomahawk-seeking person by joining the conversation via the social channels. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack Whoa. and... I think Dan here we go. A, I think Dan just took a toke there. Whoa. That was a oh, hard one. Dan, hear that? Nice. Hear that, Ashley? Holy nice. cow. Yeah. I'm Dan, and this is Ashley. Puff, puff, pass. Nice.